What's goody in the hoodie, Blackwell family? Welcome back to the Blackwell Box. Happy Wellness Wednesday. As always, I'm your host, Wellness List, and welcome to the Blackwell Box, where we heal through having real conversations with real people. As you know, we uncover all things minority mental health, and this week is no different. But before we get into this week's episode, make sure the shameless plug is happening right now. You following the Blackwell Box on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. That's where you can catch the live video stream. And you can catch the audio playback wherever you get your podcast. You can say, hey, Alexa, play the Black Will Box podcast. And she's going to play a boom flip skip right there for you. You can also go to Spotify. You can go to Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. All right, so now that all of that is done, today we have a very exciting topic, okay? I know when a lot of people think about mental health, they think heavy and deep and sad and crying in therapy, but today we're going to tap into a lighter side of mental health and kind of understanding that intersection between, you know, mental health, wellness, and also fun, laughter, and that stuff that's real good for the soul. So giving y'all kind of a different angle today, all right? And who better to do that with than an amazing comedian. I'm sure y'all already know who it is. So right now, without further ado, I'm going to just phew, zip it up and we're going to bring in my guy, Quail. What's up? Yo, yo, yo. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> What's up? How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm blessed to be here. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. in the Black World Black, Box. Black so. is a blessing. It's, Black you is see a what blessing. I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? We outside. We outside. So, mm -hmm. um, Today, we're going to be talking about, you know, comedy, blackness. We're going to talk about that feel good, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we're going to see where the conversation rolls. For those who don't know, we got Quail Not Funny on Instagram in the building. Okay. Yeah, for sure, the, for sure. I'm sure you've seen his face, heard his voice pop somewhere across your Instagram feed, your explore page at some point. And if you haven't, now's the time. Go ahead and Stop. Go ahead and look in the Instagram right now. Quail yeah. not funny, and go ahead and follow him. Period. Yeah, laugh, laugh at a joker too, will you? <laughs> period. Period. Make sure you comment and interact. All right. He and the Blackwell family now, so we gonna sprinkle that support. All right. We twins. So, you exactly. My twin. <laughs> exactly. So we gonna jump right in. So where would you say your wellness story began? Like, when did you start saying I'm gonna start doing what I need to do? me to be the best version of myself um i'll say like it probably was instilled in into me early like by my parents um i was lucky enough to have both my parents in the household um which was kind of rare where i grew up at so i say like um just like when my uh my pops and my mom's taught me was like you always better than where we at right now so just by uh me and my siblings kind of knew that early on so they always instilled that into us so I was like, like I said, I was like, I was lucky enough to have that in the household. So every time I went to school, every time I went out, every time I went in the hood, anything, I knew it was some betterness. You know, I can look on the TV screen, but oh, I, I'm going to be that one day. Mm. I'm going to be up there one day. I'm going to be traveling one day. Like, and now I'm, I'm lucky enough to do it. And I'm looking back, I'll be talking to my mom. She's like, yeah, I told you, like, you know. So, so I said, that's where my wellness story began. Like, I wanted to, like, do better, I guess. Okay, that's what's up. I always tell people that, you know, that concept of instilling wellness in mm -hmm. kids. And that's why I started my uh, sister company, Car Kids Wellness, you know, because if the sooner we tell kids that you are great mm -hmm. and give them the keys and the tools to be successful and mind, body and spirit and all of that and be aware of their emotions and their potential, yeah. it, it really it really sets them up for success in a way that I think is kind of underrated. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it definitely so, make a difference for sure. And like, you can like see that in like looking at kids and like, I, like I saw that growing up. I'm like, I can tell like, you know, you probably didn't get as much like support or like, you know, wellness mm-hmm. and that. So yeah. you got to work twice as hard if you don't get it as a kid. Don't mean it's the end of the road. We sometimes mm-hmm. got to play a little bit of catch up. Yeah, um, for sure. So with you being a comedian, what role does your comedy play in your wellness and your mental health? Yeah, it play. I'm not gonna say 100, percent but it play. It play a huge role just because uh, it's something that I like to. I love to do. It's like a part of me. It's something that like I always knew it was a part of me, but I just didn't know how to like bring it out. Mm. And once I brought, once I brought it out. I got. I don't got an education. Once I brung it out, brought it out. So once I brought it out, um, it was just. It made me happy. Like, it made me feel happy in a way I didn't know I could feel happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, like this. Like, I like this. Like, I love this. Like, this is a good feeling. Like, I, I can ride with this. So um, it plays a huge role. And then making other people happy, and they show me like, oh man, you done brought in on my day or. You done made my week, or that was so funny, or oh, you did this. Like I told my granny, I showed my my uh, daughter. I showed like it's like all these. I'm like, dang, really? Like me? Like so that that's like a whole different feeling. So it plays a huge role in my wellness for sure. Yeah, that's dope. I always try to tell people, you know, I think when we think about wellness initially, or we think about mental health, we mm-hmm. think of it in this very deep, sterile type of way you know yeah. and I always try to empower people that a lot of the things that you are already doing can be therapeutic and impacts your wellness more than we give it credit you know doing it with intention of you know I love doing this this makes me happy and that's my why behind why I'm doing it that alone can make something that seems so regular be therapeutic in itself and I think that it needs a lot more credit yeah for sure especially sometimes it's the small things like you know just making someone laugh is like that's like that, like that's beyond the views and the money and the accolades. Like, like this, the people that DM me and be like, "Oh, you made my day." Like, that's like the the wellness part. Like, that's like the the real reason why you know it's like yeah. little things. So yeah, for sure, you gotta find good in the little things. And so with that, with the con, with the concept of you know that community and you know helping other people, I know that in the black community is very important we we love our comedians and i'm sure all yeah. people with the black well box will be talking about black well things okay yeah. <laughs> so from your opinion what do you think what role does comedy play in the black community in general oh that's a good question these are some good questions <laughs> um, I, try. I i say like it's it, I, I i compare comedy to music it's like a mm-hmm. uh what we call it a comedic relief from like stress or like bad things or like trauma, um, especially like you you see comics, you everyone got the stories of like my mama whooped me so hard, da da da, da or mm-hmm. we wasn't allowed to do this, or we were so broke we had to eat. You know what I mean? We had roaches. Yeah. It's funny, you know. Oh, we had roaches growing up. We had bright mice, rats. But um, you know, but when you think about it, like people, we laugh about it because we can relate to that in the black community a lot so it's like we have those those you know bad things that you know that make us who we are and then it's like a comedic relief all right so we talked about how it's important you know a big thing that helps you with your wellness is that your comedy impacts people and i think that it has the potential to connect a lot of people and normalize things so what do you think what role does comedy have specifically in the black community 
I think it I think it uh, gives the black community like a, a comedic relief from like you know stress, uh, trauma, uh, you know like any childhood prom problems or any like problems that we go through throughout life being black people in our in this community. Um, you know, we hear a lot of comedians talk about the struggle of them, like their mama beating them or they going through, uh, you know, stuff with a girlfriend, boyfriend, they going through, uh, you know, all these problems. And then we, we go on stage and we, you know, we make it funny. And uh, it's funny because it's relatable to the people. It's relatable to us. Like we say, oh, my mom used to beat me, you know, for no reason too. It's, it's, it's traumatizing. Like, you know, your parents shouldn't do that, but mm -hmm. it's, you make it funny. So it's like, a little bit less stressful you can share that burden because you can relate to someone or like you know you get into it you know with your people or your girlfriend cheated on you it's bad but you know someone else talking about it makes it a little bit less you know whatever yeah. so i think it um it's definitely a huge role in the black community because it gives us that like comedic relief from like you know what we go through in life mm -hmm. all of the stress i definitely agree and i think in my experience, personally and professionally, a lot of times minority people, we, people of color, we use comedy as like a coping tool. We use mm -hmm. it, you know, and there is research behind the concept of if you're feeling stressed, tell a joke, listen to a joke. There's actually mm -hmm. like that's used actually in the therapy session. So there's actually, you know, stuff back and behind it. And I think um, a lot of times I've heard the quote, you know, that we laugh to keep from crying. So I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts on that phrase? You think that it's a good phrase? It's kind of toxic? Is in the middle? What what you think? I mean, it could go either way, because um I mean we you know we taught to you know believe that you know as long as I'm laughing, as long as I'm smiling, I'm good. And mm -hmm. countless, you know, cases of any, you know, A to B will tell you that that's not the case, you know. We see com we see comedians and rich people. Poor people, famous people, non-famous people that go through this. Oh, I thought they were good. They was just with me the other day. We just partied. They were just on stage telling jokes yesterday. Not that, you know. So um, it is kind of like misleading in a way. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you can still have that, you know, like you can still laugh and internally be sad inside with your soul and your spirit and a lot of other reasons. But at the same time, um, you can definitely use like comedy to keep from crying in order to like become happy and um i think it's just like a lot is like with yourself and what you it's like drinking you know like anything you do to cope like you have to be able to like use it in the correct way like if you drink to have fun with your friends that's cool but if you drink to hide from the pain and keep it keep you you know what i mean your pain away it's different if you laughing with your friends you want to joke and you just genuinely happy it's cool but if you're only laughing because you don't want to cry and you're violent it up, it might not be the, the safest practice to do. So, yeah. I definitely agree. I think that, you know, everything, I always say nothing's good, nothing's bad. Everything mm -hmm. is a little bit of both. You know, we got to always make sure that we being honest with ourselves so that we could tell, you know, are we keeping that balance like we need to? And so you kind of mm -hmm. touched on something with the concept of comedians and you know they the funny ones. They they keep yeah. in and all of that. So do you, do you think that it's normalized for black comedians to seek mental health help, or is it kind of do they have to stay that happy go lucky person? Is that off brand? That's that's crazy because um I'm starting to like kind of go through that right now and like with like uh with my name kind of getting bigger and stuff like 
And um, I used to see that growing. Like, I used to see that growing up with like Mike Evans, Kevin Hart, and you know Chris Tucker's, and they like they used to go through TMZ and all that type of stuff. And they was like they was regular people, and they was like sad sometimes, mad sometimes, or just didn't want to be bothered. And yet people be like put on your happy face, you know, like Joker, like put on your smile, like we need to see you, like the movie you. So um, and sometimes I do be kind of like. Eh. I'm a little bit still starstruck, like anybody that come up to me, like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'm like, instantly I smile. So, um, but I can definitely like see that people expect a joke or they're like, they even ask me, like, do a joke. And I'm like, I'm just chilling. Like, I'm with the bruh. Mm -hmm. I'm, you, know, like, yeah. yeah, you know, we can laugh and kick it, but I don't want to just go straight comedian mode. So, mm -hmm. um, no one has really been like disappointed in me or like, ah, yet. But as far as that, but, um, it definitely is like a, a thin line that you got to really walk through and know, like, again, know yourself and know which line, like which time to walk in. So. Okay. Yeah, I definitely think I, I see that even when we think about the Will Smith, Chris Rock situation, yeah. you know, and we, we see them, whatever side you on, that's a conversation for another day. Exactly. But when we look at both of them, you know, we mm -hmm. expect them to be whatever you know we have a certain expectation and that dictates how we interact or how we mm -hmm. respect or we'll, you know what we want from people and i think sometimes we have to remind ourselves that these people are people i know even for me as a therapist i was just talking to somebody and they were like saying that their therapist was saying that they also had a therapist and that like blew their mind like they were like wait a minute wait a minute how you gonna help me if you need help and so i think that this concept of that certain people, like comedians, like celebrities, like therapists, that they should have it all figured out or they have to stay on brand, stay mm -hmm. smiling, happy, wave, you know, and we people too, you know. Yeah. And so I definitely, I have seen recently, uh, in my experience, you know, in Instagram, mm -hmm. a lot more mental health concepts being normalized. Yeah, so for, I, sure. We still got a, for sure. We still got a long way to go, um, mm -hmm. but I definitely see some things being normalized as far as mental health, regardless of, you know, your, your field or your job. Um, yeah. But I think that there is still, and probably always going to be that piece of like, you the therapist, you're supposed to have it all together. Or you the comedian, yeah. you're supposed to be happy and funny all the time. It's like, nigga, no. Yeah. Like, that, doesn't even, <laughs> that doesn't even sound realistic. So you like, I'm drunk lie. right now. Like, dude. Like, <laughs> like, you want me to lie. And that's where I feel like the mm. beauty of this platform, you know, is allowing people to, regardless of what they do or who they do or what they brand is, you know, coming to the conclusion that we all real people, we all go through real shit. You know, we yeah. all have those situations that we, you know, we all bleed, you know, mm -hmm. regardless. Um, and so with that, how would you say, how do you protect your mental health outside of comedy? With these. Like, all I, <laughs> all I need is these. <laughs> no, nah, um, other than that, no. Nah, uh, let me see. What do you protect your mental health outside of comedy? Hmm. How do I protect my, that's a good question, too. How do I personally protect my mental health outside of comedy? Um... I talk to my, my mom a lot, you know, uh, definitely a lot more than I get older. Like the older I get, the more I talk to her. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of to stay connected to my family. And even though they're like in Ohio and I moved down south, just kind of have those still, you know, install the, I don't know where, but 
have what they instilled in me back in the day and, and get a reminder that, you know, um, and keeping my my close circle, you know, my circle close. I know I know a lot of people, a lot of people know me and all that, but I still got a core foundation of people that, you know what I mean, that I can tell and we can talk to and stuff like that. We can, they know the real me, I know the real them, and we can like really talk about, you know what I mean? If I need to talk, mm-hmm. if I need to cry, if I need to laugh, if I need to whatever, I can get, my, get it off my chest. I got certain people that I can tell certain things to so that allowed me to like get that relief off that, you know? Um, and I like that, you know, it, it works yeah. for me and I'm able to like, uh, through them, I'm able to talk things out and like get what I need to uh, off my chest out. So um, that's how I protect my mental health um, outside that's of COVID, you know? That, that's dope. I always, you know, tell people I'm normalized, you know, being able to compartmentalize people and, be aware of your tribe, you know, just by tending to the people that you keep around you and being aware of like, one, I do have a sense of community. Two, I have autonomy over the people that's around me. Mm-hmm. And three, you know, I can express myself and I making sure that the people around me are equally yoked, that they're not yeah. toxic or that they're not draining, you know, and if they are, I don't necessarily got to cut them off, but maybe I just push them back. They, they're not yeah. in the inner circle, yeah. you know, and being aware and being conscious of the company you keep that alone is such a crazy like key that's a that's a mm-hmm. key code to the game you know being conscious of the people you keep around because believe it or not you know we are the company we keep so i think that that's definitely dope but what part of ohio are you from i'm from toledo so i'm from the mud uh, oh, Toledo, but um i went to school at ohio state so i, I was in i oh. was in columbus for like five years or whatever okay, I, okay. I already took the graduate but yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm from Cleveland, and then I moved to D.C. for grad school, and then I just moved to Atlanta. You from up the way or down the way? Up the way. You from St. Clair? No, no, no. I'm from, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right. Since we're going here, technically, I'm from Bedford. Oh, you from but, Bedford? You, but you from- for the people who don't know about Ohio, if I say Bedford, they're going to be like, I never heard of that. Yeah. So pretty much... You know, for the for yeah. the listeners, it's not hip. You know, you like, like the was, people that say they from Shaker, like you from Shaker or something, like Cleveland Heights and stuff. You know, what I mean? like, Shaker's cool. right there on the tip. Shaker is Shaker's right on on the cusp. But yeah, you know, what I mean? like, if, I, <laughs> if I say I'm from Bedford and somebody is not from Ohio, then you know, my listeners, you know, they they gonna be like, where is that? I, ne- I never, yeah, I never they not gonna know that. what you talk about. Yeah, you know? but you I know, it's it, it crazy because even when that Amaretta song, I don't know if you heard it, the one like not Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Decatur is not Atlanta, and now that yeah. I'm in Atlanta, I'm low key cracking up at that because it was like, dang, those places really not Atlanta. But like when Lotto came on the remix and was like, we just say that to tourists because they they wouldn't know. And yeah, like if somebody told me before I moved here, like, oh, I'm from DeKalb, I'm from Marietta, I would be like, where is that? But if they say they're from mm-hmm. Atlanta, I'd be like, okay, I I, I know. So yeah, it's like, it's like and it's thirty minutes away. They just you know, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, <laughs> But I'm, I'm a true blue bearcat, you know, for the people that are from Ohio. I was the mascot and everything. Really? So, yes, I was the mascot oh. since middle school. Middle school <laughs> through high school. I was a, the center snare in the marching band, you know. Oh, you a, pro, you a professional. You a jack of all trades. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, master of none. But, you know, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. Okay. So with that, that was really good. You know, like going back to the original point, I think that, a lot of times people just don't give credit to those things that are wellness and that aren't good for your mental health. Like mm-hmm. 
keeping people around you to have a good head on their shoulders that you can, you know, bounce ideas off of and not opening up your circle to everybody. So I always like to ask people, you know, what do they do for their mental health so that we can kind of all be on the same page, having those conversations and understanding that like tending to your mental health is not even as a therapist, it is not just going to therapy. It is not, that's not the only way that we can tend to our wellness and be the best version of ourselves. Um, So my next question is, do you feel like, I know you talked about with your family and in your circle that you're able to express yourself, mm-hmm. but like as a comedian in that space, do you feel like you're able to freely express yourself and really be vulnerable? Or do you have to kind of hold back to stay either politically correct or on <laughs> brand or not get slapped in the face? Like what? I mean, like if it was a, if, if it was a perfect world, like my, as a comedian, like if it was a perfect world, we wouldn't have, you know, any discrimination, any racism, any violence, you know, all of that. So mm-hmm. if that was the case, I believe that we'd all be able to make jokes about everything because nothing would exist in a sense. Like would just be making it'd be literally making jokes because everyone would be normal, you know? Right. Or right. you know, social normal, whatever. Um, but since it's not a perfect world. <laughs> you can't really, you know, make jokes on every topic. But um, the person I am, I don't really make jokes in general about certain topics. So, like, I can't, like, cuss and do a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a little bit, uh, you know what I mean? But I think the the jokes that I do get off and the script, the skits that I do make, they are authentic enough, especially like doing my Greek and my like black college skits, because it's just like second nature. I mm. think it's such me. It's it's still me, and it's me enough for me to be like comfortable putting out. And I'm yeah. like, okay, this is me. So I put it out, and it's like nine out of ten times I didn't experience it myself. So it's like it's still enough. But um, sometimes I do be like, damn, like I wish I could just say this, or I wish I could do that, or I wish I can say stuff Bernie Mac said. You know what I mean? Because like that's my favorite comedian. So I'm like, man. I can't say nothing like what Richard Pryor was saying. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't say nothing Red Fox and them was saying. Like, you know, um, cause everything is just, you know, everything is it's it's just 2022. So it's like, you know, it's not a perfect world, unfortunately. So um, you know, you gotta stay within parameters of that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I definitely I don't know, this is not fact check, but somebody told mm-hmm. me that see, I don't even remember who, but they said there was some comedian like yeah, the old throwback Thursday comedian, OG, OG, who was saying that you know, a true comedian is able to keep up with the times. And what was funny in 1980 may or may not be funny in 2022. And a good comedian is able to make that pivot and not be like, you know, it was funny when Richard Pryor said it. Let me let me say it. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that a lot of times, you know, just with the culture in general, with cancer culture and being politically correct and all of this, you know, there's. Yeah. Of course, ideas on both sides of the spectrum as far as like, okay, you need to make better jokes and not tap into those things. And then we got the side of like, you too sensitive, you know? And like I said, nothing good, nothing bad. The truth and real comedy is probably somewhere in the medium, in the middle of that. Cause like we said at the beginning, you know, a lot of, in our culture, we connect off normalizing, you know, some of the experiences that we had, these Mm -hmm. cultural experiences through comedy. And some of those, they don't, they wasn't pretty and they don't sound pretty even in a joke. Yeah. So I definitely think that I think you do a great job at, you know, finding that middle ground between still being funny, 
but not, you know, getting yourself in a position where you poking at something that's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I have <laughs> that one. Like, you know, the same yeah. look the way we all do when R. Kelly come on and we like, I don't know, is this a safe yeah. Is that funny? Yeah. And and a lot of that stuff is like me, like 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 I said, I got a I got a group, like a core group, and I can like be myself, myself. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like that's important too, like because like it's a comedy me, and maybe seventy five percent of that's me. Sometimes you know I'm happy, I'm you know making jokes. Then like twenty five percent is just me, me. Whether I'm still laughing, but maybe I'm, you know, I mean it's a whole another like topic, it's a whole another thing. I'm doing a whole another situation so it's like definitely key to have that circle that you can really be yourself with so that's what i try to hold on to as well exactly two different sides (laughs) exactly that piece with compartmentalizing you know it's like no one's saying don't say that don't do that don't think that's funny but knowing i always tell any client any kid any mentality anybody Mm -hmm. i work with i tell them it's a time and a place for everything yeah that might have been funny at the dinner table but it may not be funny at work And you and you gotta like know your audience because like you know you might mm-hmm. make a joke to three people in a group that's your friends and then you make it to twenty people in, that's blown to that same group and seventeen of them don't like it even though you're oh but I got my friends they look like it's different you know what I mean it's a different you gotta know your people and your audience like it's exactly. a whole different thing and I, I like how you 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 said um, comedians it's a way that they got to keep with the times. I never heard of that before, but that makes a lot of sense because I compare comedic, I, co- I compare comedy to like musicians and rappers and mm-hmm. stuff because it's, it kind of go hand in hand in a way. Yeah. And rappers, they have to like change the sound because the sound changed and it remind me of rappers saying like, oh, back in my day, we, we ain't had to do all this mumble rap. And it's kind of like that, like back in my day, we can yeah. talk about this. So you should be able to kind of like reform and, you know, get better in that too. So yeah, definitely. Exactly. exactly. And I think that's a, a really good point about knowing your audience. And if anybody know me, sometimes people say I compare apples to oranges, but I mm-hmm. think a lot of stuff is transferable. And that's why I think these conversations are powerful because for you, you may say, okay, me knowing my audience is knowing who to tell this joke to. But I think it's important for us to realize, even those that ain't comedians, that it's important for us to know our audience and how that can impact our relationships and our progress and our, you know, how we interact with ourselves in the world as well. You know, if you know that I'm on the side of the family that they be yipping and yapping about politics and that stresses mm-hmm. me out, knowing that that's your audience in that space, you know, do you want to go there? Do you want to have that conversation? So I think, you know, that's a really good piece that we all can learn from is knowing your audience and knowing like in this space, who am I in this space with? What do I know about them? And, you know, is that going to be productive for me or not? And figuring out how to not necessarily change who you are as a person, your core Mm -hmm. self. No, we're not telling you to do that. But, you know, being aware of like in this room, in this space, can this person handle if I give them my emotional currency? If Mm -hmm. I tell them how I really feel, can they handle it? You know, and knowing that, because if you think about that beforehand, you say, no, you know what? I know if I tell this person, all of this stuff, they're going to be like, they're going to blow me off. And that's going to make me never want to express myself again. That's how I am. I know that if I tell somebody how I feel and they be like, Alyssa, you tripping, like you're doing too much. I want to talk about that. I'm never going to speak to them about that again. And I may never even want to talk about that topic again. I'm learning. That's something I'm, you know, growing in uh, for transparency's sake. But knowing that about myself, I don't give my emotional currency to just anybody because I know my audience in the room. I know, you know what? 
this person don't take nothing serious. So I'm not about to come in here with that energy, you know. <laughs> yeah. so I think that that's real good. A life lesson for all of us is knowing your audience and knowing, like, you know, if I'm at work, do I act or move or shake the same way that if I'm with my family or if I'm in my therapy session, you know? And I think knowing that and compartmentalizing those things can help us be a lot more socially adapt, you know, a lot more happier in our spaces because we're not so set on, I'm going to be me and say everything I want to yeah. say in every room because that's what self-love is. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. So I definitely, and I think one thing um, that you tapped in, you say, you know, knowing that a lot of your jokes, you know, come from your college and your D9 Greek experience. So I wanted to ask you, how did your D9 and college experience, how did that influence you just as a person in general? Sure, man. I got these gold boots and it was all right. I was like, ah, that's, that's, nah. Um, uh, it really just shaped me. Like, I feel like, huh, let me see. I'm trying to make it different than my answer. Like, why did you, why did you become the bros? I'm saying, um, cause it, it really, cause it took me, it, I didn't start comedy until like three years after I crossed. So like, mm -hmm. I had a whole Greek life before comedy. So like, you know, um, which a lot of people be thinking like, oh, I just did comedy. And like, I was like a Greek comedian. From mm -hmm. Which is like, nah, I was on campus. I was a regular bruh, going to parties. Like, I was a regular breast breast stuff. So, um, but yeah, it probably just, it just made me want to do better. Like it was like, like it's, cause you know, when you, when you cross, that's like a D9 org, like a black org, like it's for life. You know, whether you, you know, I mean, obviously you can denounce or whatever, but like, you know, for the most part, it's, you know, it's for yeah. life, you feel me? So that's a whole other subject. Tomatoes, um, tomatoes. But you know, so like, it, it's like a, it's like a, a goal and an accomplishment that you keep chasing because it's, it's only gets better. Like, it's like, it's the frat is bigger than you are. Like you join something that's bigger than yourself mm -hmm. and it, it helps you become the person that you should have been, you know, and you, you bring your original, like I brought myself to my frat and then my frat helped me be a better person than I am. So like, um, in all aspects, like just networking, um, being like being confident in myself and who I was. Um, like I used to wear like contacts in high school and stuff like that. Like I was like, I went through the whole trying to be light skin phase. Type. Yeah, you know. Then, then I started reading like African history and I started like learning all that. But before that, I was like, you know, I'm squinting my eyes and hazel eyes, all that. Yeah, and like you know, um, I'm joining the frat and like subconsciously, I'm just like not needing the stuff. And I didn't know until like years after. I'm like, dang, like I didn't need any of this stuff. I didn't need like. Like we we rocking gold boots and we not even I don't even buy no new Jordans like I ain't buy no new pair of shoes all oh, year like I yeah don't need this and at the time I'm like yeah you know this it's party and all that but you know when you sit back and really think about it like it's a really it's really lessons that you learn the older you get and you like oh this is what my older bros be talking about like oh this is so it definitely shaped me in like more ways than I can imagine and then with the comedy it's just it just boosted everything. it just made it. Mm -hmm. It just made me and comedy. It just made it go hand in hand, and it just so yeah. All right, that's dope. I definitely agree. I had um <clears throat> I had an AKA on last season, um mm -hmm. and, and I told her, you know, it's okay that she didn't become an SG row. We, we'll forgive her, and the, we'll <laughs> let her in the black little box regardless. But mm -hmm. um she was saying, you know, the same thing that you know it it's like character building, um mm -hmm. and 
Like, I remember when I was like going through the process, I was like, this is like, I feel like I learned so many life lessons in this short amount of time, you know, and then having that network because I crossed in um, at Cleveland State and then I immediately after I graduated, I moved to D.C. And I touched down in D.C. and it was like I had lived there for months and years because niggas was like, what's up? Like I went to a Soros house for Christmas and they had a plate for me and a gift and everything. Hey, I'm like, I, I just definitely met went to a brass house for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like just yeah, yeah. So it's definitely that, yeah that sense of community and I think that that's really important, especially in the black community, for us to have spaces to go and mm. exist together, you know, and learn from each other, learn life experiences from each other. Um, so, what do you think is the importance of D nine orgs in general? for the black culture? I think the D9 orgs, especially like in the college realm, it gives like, it gives that uh, example of black excellence, you mm. know? It's a, uh, and not saying D9s are the only way to, you know, give that example at all, but it's like a, it's like one of the, like, when you see the D9, it's, it's like, it's like, I ain't trying to hype us, but it's like, like, so, like, I don't know, like some people be thinking like it's like the G Greek Avengers, you know, you know what I mean? Like real talk. <laughs> so it's like Power Rangers and stuff. Yeah. So like especially like kids and stuff, like it's, it's and you probably you know, you probably know people that's legacies and they be like, I knew I was gonna be the bros when I was five. I got pictures, mm -hmm. I knew I was gonna be a, a SG Row when I was two years old and my granny like so it's like people really like look up to us in a way. And um, so whatever we do, whether it's telling jokes, doing podcasts. Um, doing civil rights movements, anything you're doing, like people are looking up and they tell us like, like when we cross, they said, bro, like whatever you do, people are going to look at you like mm -hmm. whether you know or not, whether you famous or not, like you're this, you're these letters are you forever. Like people are going to like whatever you do, you're going to lead by example. So you got to, um, I think it's important because the things that we do and you can pick out different black excellence in the, you know, in the uh, atmosphere or whatever. And you can pick out these leaders and you'd be like, oh, they're AKA, oh, they're Alpha, oh, they're, and, and it's hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands. Mm -hmm. And then you you see like, what do they all have together? And it's that D9 or, and you're like, okay, something that's in the D9 that they are all of our founders and they reason is it's something that the black culture needed and you can just really just pick it up from there. And yeah, so yeah, that's why I think the D9 is important for sure. I definitely agree. I think that concept of representation, you know, being able to see like this is a group of black educated professionals like doing it, giving back to their community, existing and and not just being one type of black person. I think that's the beauty of it is that it really illustrates this concept of black excellence and not in a way that's a monolith. Like yeah. we do everything. They're in all different spaces, sectors, and they all are excellent. They all are, you know, setting a great example and being um, a representative in a way, you know, like you said, for people, kids and even adults, you know, to look up to and to aspire to and see like, you know, look at these black people coming together, doing good shit, you know, especially because yeah. I hear a lot of times people, um, a lot of black people, they say, you know, we don't get together enough. We're not unified enough, you know, white yeah. people, they all going to go vote for whoever together, you know, whether they right or wrong, they riding for each other. And I think it's good to, you know, be able to see like this. I mean, you know, you will see hundreds of thousands of, you know, bros in one space or even yeah. like an AGP just 
just Asian black Asian, Greek yeah. niggas everywhere, and you know that everybody here is, you know, even if not saying that they perfect or anything like that, but yeah. you know, they they are coming together, showing some camaraderie, giving back to their community, giving back to one another. And I think just seeing that alone is like, even if you don't never join a D9 org or not, once you stop hating for the people that be hating, <laughs> hating, you can realize like, dang, this, this is just, this is cool for us to see. This is cool yeah. for white people to see and be like, okay, they, they doing stuff. They, mm -hmm. they, they are unified and doing good shit right there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what do you think? What is something that the average person might not know about the black Greek experience that you think that they should know? Do you want to put oh, them on game? Uh, it's probably cliche, but probably that, um, like we got a saying like, it's harder to be the bros than to become the bros. Mm. So like, whether however you become the bros, whether you paperwork or whatever, like whatever them answers that you had to put on the test or whatever you whoever you had to call meet up whatever, it's harder to be. In an org. And I think that's like, I mean, I'm not going to speak, but I think that's for like most orbs mm -hmm. because like you think like whatever you do, that's hard. But like actually having those expectations like we just talked about of like if you, you know, some of some of us have people that don't, you know, they might go away from their frat or sorority. They might not do anything or they might only be letter wearers or they might only party. But to truly be like, you know, a power ranger and yeah. <laughs> deny yeah. like to, to you know really be an avenger and like tackle aspects or be good at one aspect like specialization and know it or whatever because you know you got different roles but you really have to um you know you that's the hard work like you really have to like wake up you really have to throw a kickback on friday make sure it's chicken make sure it's all this stay up then you got a, a Potter Puff football event Saturday morning. You got to get up at 8 a.m., set it up. Then you got another party that you got to throw at a club. Da, da, da. Then you got to wake up for community service Sunday. Then you got study tables Monday. You know what I mean? Then you got to go to class. For yeah. your you really got to, you know what I mean? And then you got to do it like all over again and you got to keep doing it. And like, um, yeah, so you got to, so yeah, people don't know that. People think like, yeah, we, you know, we're doing this on the party, but it's a lot of hard work like afterwards, like. We yeah. all two hours of sleep because we was we were just hopping for kids at a high school. All night. Yeah, y'all wouldn't even know that, but you know we gonna we gonna hop for the girls too, but we gonna hop for the kids exactly. first. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I say that for sure. Because a lot of people in the org don't know that as well. Like they join mm -hmm. the org and be like, "Oh, I didn't know we still had to read books about our history. Like, yeah, I didn't know we had to learn." I'm like, you know, yeah, like it's for life. So mm -hmm. that's. That's definitely true. Once you once you get in there, you be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. I know when I when I was an undergrad, I had uh three majors. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I had an internship to go, you know. And so yeah. definitely, you got you got to have that time management piece. And I think that I agree. I think that that's kind of an underrated part. All of the things, and even to your original point, you know, and also yeah. knowing that people are looking at you, knowing that people yeah. are looking at you and expecting you to to do or be something you know it's like you already are dealing with just being black and you know people looking at you and expecting you to do whatever or be whatever you know and then you're adding this extra component i know i'll be driving in dc and i'll be wanting to cut somebody off and then i'll be like ah, i got my my plates on the back let me just yeah yeah you know what? let me just yeah. mind my business because i don't mm. want nobody to see the plates and associate you know something negative with the entire org Cause I'm just showing my butt in, in yeah. the business, you know. So mm -hmm. 
I definitely agree. And I think that that can kind of cross over as well to comedy. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think something that the average person might not know about being a black comedian, your experience with that, that you think, oh yeah, this would be a good thing for me to put them up on game on. Um, I'd probably say one thing is just, uh, I say like, from my experience, maybe that we ain't happy all the time. I mean, I guess that's, it should be obvious, right? But it, it should be, yeah, should I mean, be. It should be obvious. It should be. I don't know. I think, um, yeah, like that's that's really true. Like people really be like, you know, like you gotta be smiling all the time and be happy. And um, that ain't the case. Like everybody humans and stuff. And like with me, I don't, I'm a I'm a machine. So like I keep going. I'm gonna keep making videos. Like you wouldn't notice. Like the outside world wouldn't notice. My core group had noticed if something wrong. But um, yeah, like I like like some of the like, and then I think it's like all communities like. Some of the, the the funniest jokes came from the most messed up situations or the most painful mm -hmm. situations. So like, you know, um, not necessarily that joke, but maybe a time I was going through where I made that joke, or maybe you know what I mean, because that's like a comedic relief for me. So like, if I like, it might be a really really good joke, and I might have had went through a dark time or might a sad moment or whatever in order to come up with that. And that and that's one of the things that helped me come out of that depressive episode or that sad moment or mm. that painful situation. So um, you know, just kind of think of it like it ain't, we ain't we ain't always just sitting up here laughing. I'm a lot be laughing all the time. Like I'll be you know, I'll be doing my thing. So like I'll be laughing a lot. Don't get me wrong, but um sometimes we just be chilling and we just we really just be, you know, sad sometimes, like and we just be writing our jokes and it come from a sad place in our heart, not always a funny place. Just like you, we all, we all together, so yeah. we all the same. That's dope, and I think that made me think of your comment of, you know, comedians mirror mm -hmm. and, like, music, you know, and musicians. You know, we'd be like, oh, that song, you know, when the song come on, yeah. we all like, yes, oh, but in order for Keisha Cole to make that banger, she had to get her heart broke, bro. That's kind of... Yeah. a couple kinda, times. Yeah, that's kind of sad, you know, when we think about it, so understanding what goes behind, you know, even with mm -hmm. the comedy with music with therapy with the group experience understanding that like a lot of times what you see up front is not the, the whole story it's not the yeah. end all be all you know because behind all of that which is like i said the concept behind the whole podcast is that we all real people and we heal through having these conversations talking to one another and saying like yo yeah that was funny but this is my experience and someone being like oh you too you know and now <laughs> we got a fruitful conversation you know or people know, like, oh, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only comedian thinking, like, dang, I got to act happy all the time. You know, yeah. other people having that same experience. And so usually, you know, to close it out, I ask people, what are three things that we could start doing today to be more happy and improve the quality of life? But because I'm a deuce, we're going we gonna to switch it up a little bit. And I'm going to just ask you, what's two things? You know what I'm saying? What's two things that we could do? to start improving our quality of life. It could be things that you do, things that you want to, you know, get better at and do. What what can we do, Quail? Mm, let me see. I'm trying to think of like a shroom answer. Uh, let's see. This will make you, make, make you think. This will make the people have to think, you know? We want to walk away with okay. something. Like, like drink yeah. more water. Like, I ain't going to say that. <laughs> Look at me. I'm already following your lead. Look at that. 
I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say something. Um, I'm gonna say something. My mama told me yesterday, and I was like, "Damn!" So she said to um, to protect your little self. So like, so she told me like to protect little Quill. So like, and she showed me a picture like protect him. So what I got from that is like, don't lose sight of your innocence and like your. When you know, I mean, innocence in the time where fun was fun, and mm. before bills, before relationships, before maybe some deaths in the family, before heartbroken, before all these negative things, that that stage when you was just everything was perfect and everything was good, like hold on to that because we still have that. Even the even the most messed up people in the world got some type of like, eh, but they you know they straight away, and we all got that and. You just it's, it's important never to like leave that. Always hold on to that because that's what's gonna keep you going. That's what's gonna keep your soul you, and that's what's gonna keep you being you at whatever you do. That's what's gonna keep you being you. So um yeah, so I say that's number one. I hope that that's was dope. deep enough. For me. That's dope. Your mama uh, need to write a book. Mama's be knowing, sure. don't they? They be knowing stuff. Let me see. I am reading a book. Let me see. Later. <laughs> um, let me see another one. I say just have like I ain't gonna say have fun, but like just just really just really have fun, like enjoy life. Like yeah, we be stressing, we be putting deadlines and like social constraints on ourselves, and we see somebody in a relationship, and then we want a relationship. We see something that they got money, we want it. Like you really gotta be content with yourself, and like this something that I'm like I'm still going through every day. Like I'm still trying to be happy with just myself like yeah i might see a pair of shoes and i'm like i need them you know what i mean i'm like so i'm still trying to be yeah just be as humble as and just myself as possible and be mm-hmm. okay with just being myself and not and truly not worrying about what other people think so i think when you really can conquer that you really can like you can take over anything so yeah that's that's, that's the two things i said that's sure. dope protect little you <laughs> And have fun. Yeah, laugh more, pretty much. Laugh laugh more. I think a lot of people, I think that one is so underrated because whenever I tell people, like, my theoretical orientation that I learned in college, you know, is reality therapy. A big, that's a whole bunch of words pretty much to say we all born with five basic needs that we are chasing all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And we all, we know we chasing security. We know we chasing love and belonging. We know we chasing success. These are all things... But I think the most underrated one is fun. That is a literal need. We need to be mm-hmm. stimulated. We need to have creative thinking time. We need to have fun and laugh and enjoy life. Like we need it to be. Otherwise, depression wouldn't be a thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that definitely that is underrated. And so I love and appreciate you for coming through appreciate and letting us know. For sure, that was definitely great. And now you in the Blackwell Box family. So we want to stay connected with you. So I got to ask for the people, how can we? support you stay locked in with what you're doing how, how can we do that quail uh y'all can donate to my cash app at no, just, <laughs> hey um, run them coins up nah just uh just follow me on all social media platforms at quill not funny uh ig youtube tiktok twitter facebook quill not funny and y'all can just show support follow me like a video and we can laugh together there you go. You heard it here first. Quill Not Funny is right here. If you're watching, it's on the screen. Quill Not Funny. Follow him on all his platforms. And while we're giving out shout outs, make sure you follow in the Blackwell box. 
on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook. Make sure you stream the audio playback wherever you get your podcast at. Make sure you follow me at wellness.list. And we're going to catch y'all next Wellness Wednesday. In the meantime, in between time, make sure that you stay black, stay blessed, stay beautiful, and most importantly, stay well, y'all. Peace out. Peace.